All right, so everybody, welcome to my podcast. This is David Leibovitz here, and you can find me at davidleibovitz.substack.com. And I write about Paris, I write about food, I write about travel, and I write about a lot of things. But one thing that really fascinates people is having an apartment in Paris. And over the years, a lot of people have said to me, oh, my dream is to have an apartment in Paris. During certain political things that happen around the world, people say, we want to move to France. We want to live in Paris. Everything's paradise there. So I thought I would have my friend, good friend, I should say, Miranda Boat on, who is the head of Paris Property Group. You're the owner. How would you describe your position at Paris Property Group, Miranda? <laughs> Hi, David. Um, how would I describe my position? Well, I founded Paris Property Group and I would say my role now is as an advisor and sort of behind the scenes direction for the company, strategy, and kind of difficult questions when they arise with clients. Which never happens in real estate. Never. Every, never difficult. <laughs> everything's very straightforward. No problems. It's the same every time. Yes. And I should mention, you're also a real estate broker in Palo Alto, California now as well. But you had this company in Paris for 10 years. You have a great team here. I know some of the people and they're terrific. You helped me buy my apartment, which we're sitting in right now. We're going to talk about that as well. Yes. Yeah, so I'm a real estate agent in California um, and there I'm with Sotheby's in Palo Alto. Mm -hmm. And I do have a great team. Yes. And you're a lawyer. You went to Yale. I did do that as well. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little scared of you, but I've seen you in action. And that is one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you also, because buying this apartment, renovating it and so forth, you had nothing to do with the renovation. So um, that was good. But you had a lot to do with me buying it. I mean, you helped me a lot. And that was really good. So we'll talk about that. But tell people, especially a lot of Americans who want to have an apartment in Paris, they're like, we want to find an apartment. What are some of the main differences between the French way of buying an apartment and the American way. So, I should also mention yeah. you're, you were born in Canada, so you can talk about the North American perspective ah. or Canadian perspective as well. Well, I grew up in the U.S., and so my property experience, I guess, is America-based and France-based, and, and I lived in Germany for a while, so I, I have experience there, but mostly U.S.-based. You know, the main difference is that there's no multiple listing service in France. And a multiple listing is what? So it's basically a, an agreement between all the local agents in a market that when they bring a property to market, they will share the information with other agencies and any agent working with a buyer can show that property to their buyer and will share in the commission that has already been agreed between the listing agent and the seller. So let's say you want to find like a one bedroom apartment in Seattle, Washington. You can just go to the multiple listing service and all the one bedroom apartments are listed there. Yeah. Cool. Like some are listed there, some aren't. Yeah. So you would go to an agent. You call me in Palo Alto. You say, I want to see every two bedroom for sale in Palo Alto. You and I show no you two bedrooms. They're all <laughs> 10 bedrooms. <laughs> every one acre villa. And I can show you all of them. And in fact, in my market, there's even a lockbox out front in most properties. And I can just go with my special key and we can visit any time and I can sell it and all the documents are available. Okay. And yeah. But even like a layperson like me can see, if I say like, I want to go to, I want to buy a house in San Francisco, I can go to like Redfin or one of these sites and everything 
pretty much everything's on there. You know, most transactions still have a broker or an agent, but Paris is different. How is it yeah. different? So Paris, well, it's funny because when we you and I- have only an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so Paris, I mean, there are online sites for Paris too. There are different websites to look up mm -hmm. real estate for sale in Paris. But each agency pays to put their properties on each of these websites. So there's not one website where you go and you know that everything, everything for sale is there. And they only put some of their things. Yeah. So you pay as an agency, you pay either a price to put everything or you pay for, let's say, 10 properties per month. And so not everything's on there. Yeah. So looking, there's a site called Sologer, S-E-L-O-G-E-R which is very popular in France now. And I think that's probably the number one real estate site. Yeah, that's one of the two big ones. The other one is Explore Immo, which is tied to the Figaro and a couple of like the bigger- the newspaper. The, yeah, bigger newspapers. But yeah, that is, for example, one of the biggest. So you're only seeing though, like- So it's probably 60, 70% of oh, the properties. Yeah, no, they, well, at this point, you know, agencies yeah. have regrouped themselves they know where they need to go advertise. The challenge is you would have to call every one of those agencies and arrange a visit to whatever properties they individually represent. So they only represent properties in their neighborhood, like usually like a 10 block radius, perhaps. That is right. Yeah. So even the bigger name agencies like Sotheby's in Paris will concentrate on a neighborhood mm -hmm. and they will represent properties that they have in that neighborhood. Mm -hmm. They may share with another Sotheby's agency in a different neighborhood, but maybe they don't. They don't like um, to share. They don't like to share. Yeah. Even within an office, you'll call and say, I want to see this property and only the agent who brought in that listing will be able to show it to yeah. you. It's very personalized from a listing perspective. Not buyer sort of friendly. Well, one thing I noticed, you know, when I wrote that part of my book about buying my apartment, you know, when you write a book, it's what happens at a certain time and a place. And I remember the listings, you'd look at pictures this is 10 or 12 years ago, and you're kind of <laughs> making this face because you know what I'm going to say, but, you know, people would have like their dirty laundry on the floor, you know, like cigarette, you know, ashtrays and like glass sides dinner on the table and the pictures. Plunger in the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> the toilet all. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of, you still see some of that, but they've gotten a lot slicker, but still it's very hard to find an apartment in Paris. Yes. So there have been efforts to standardize the information that they are required to provide to you. So there are diagnostic tests that have to be provided. In fact, a law was passed a couple of years ago requiring agencies to list in the listing what their fees are how much their fees okay. are as part of the, the listing price. But beyond some very basic information, it's very hard to know okay. what the actual property is. And most importantly, you're not getting the address when you're looking at property right. online. They don't want to share that. They're not going to share the address. They won't even share the street. They won't share the street. The reason is, is that most listings are non-exclusive to that agency. One seller might list with three or four different agencies. At different prices. Different prices, I've seen that. Yeah, at different prices, different conditions, different agency fees. And so each agency has just their one shot to sell that apartment or not. Mm -hmm. And they're not revealing information that would allow a buyer to go directly to that seller and make okay. a deal directly. So speaking of agents, one thing that really is surprising to a lot of people and it surprised me is that in France... When you're buying an apartment, you don't have an agent. There is no agent that you hire. 
that will go look for an apartment. Whereas like in New York, you can, you know, you, you call an agent and you say, I'm looking for a one bedroom apartment and they send you a whole dossier of things. So the sellers have agents, which represent the seller, of course. So let's talk a little bit about that because to me, it's a system designed to fail for the buyer. And once again, you're laughing. There's so many, you know, you have this person who represents a seller and they're, they become your agent when you're the buyer, not really, but, and you're paying their fee. The seller doesn't pay the fee, unlike America. So you're basically paying someone that you didn't hire. <laughs> and who doesn't have your best interests in mind. I mean, they work for the seller and now they also work for you. And double ending a deal like that is also allowed in the United States. It's certainly not the norm in most markets mm -hmm. for that reason. I mean, the sense that each side should have somebody looking out for their interests, representing, you know, what's best for them, looking out mm -hmm. for pitfalls. And that's kind of where Paris Property Group came from, was this right. sort of sense that there was a missing piece here, mm -hmm. that buyers needed representation. And, you know, especially for non-resident buyers, even just the ability to come to town and rustle up a whole bunch of different properties to visit and right. manage, you know, 10 different agents who you need to make uh, appointments with and yeah. deals work. And yeah, so that is kind of where the buyer agent side came in. But yeah, it's not a part of the French real estate system inherently. So a person such as you or your agent, you have a team of agents that yeah. work with you. And I worked with this wonderful woman. We hit it off very well. And speaking of inspections, like she, I wrote about this in the book, you know, in France, people don't have, in, like in America, when you buy a house or apartment, you have a contractor come in who says, oh, you know, the electricity is not working or this water behind this wall, or you said before there's disclosures in France, but they're more like lead and things like that. They don't have to disclose if like, there's like an electrical problem, if there's mice, if there's whatever. So the agent had an architect friend come over and I remember she pointed out all these things that were in the apartment that need to be fixed. And the seller's agent had this big grin on his face. Like he didn't know about any of this stuff. And she was like, no, 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 no. Because French people, as you know, are very, they'll say they're not filtered as we are as Americans. We're like, oh, by the way, this might like this electrical, like wire that's red and glowing sticking out of the wall. You know, maybe it's dangerous. Whereas like, she was like, no, this is horrible. Like this must be fixed. And yeah, yeah. So she, it actually saved me a lot of money because I went in and I lowered the price that I was, I'd already made the offer and the agent didn't want to take it to his client. And you got on the phone. I remember, I didn't know you that, I mean, I knew you, but I didn't know you that well. And your French is great. Like Roman, my, you know, my, he's like, she doesn't have an American accent. She speaks French without an American accent. <laughs> and I never saw anybody like yell at somebody that way, which is how you need to talk to me. It's not considered rude in France to like yell at people. <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah, that's how people. The way we do business here. Yeah. It's like, you know, and then there'll be everyone shake hands afterwards and laugh and go out and have coffee or something. But you really helped me a lot. And it was a big, you know, this is not a sponsored podcast, but you really helped me a lot. And it was invaluable. Like I never would have been able to have dealt with that on my own. Well, thank you. I'm glad. Okay. That's very nice to know that I yelled effectively. I think that that's really part of the issue is that in the end, the listing agent is a listing agent. They're representing the seller. They have to represent the seller. And so they're not trying to find 
what the buyer needs. They're not trying to investigate. They're not trying to discover kind of what is going to be best for the buyer. And so that system just really leaves the buyer very exposed to issues both during the deal and after the deal. And one of the challenges of the French system, like you said, the disclosures are minimal. Mm -hmm. It's termites, it's lead, it's like energy efficiency, it's right. a few sort of things that are informational, but there's no requirement that the seller disclose, you know, leaks they've had in the past. There's no affirmative obligation to disclose anything mm -hmm. that's wrong with the apartment. And that is a very challenging position as a buyer, especially as a non-French-speaking buyer. Right. To understand how you're going to cope with that, what that really means. Well, France um, is a very different place if you don't speak French. And I've learned that because I moved here not speaking French. And now that I speak better French, not as good as you, but I speak enough so I can, you know, talk to people and have a real conversation, not just where is the croissant, you know, <laughs> I want a well done baguette, but it really helps. Yeah. And I sort of hate to say this, but a contractor once said to me, he goes, you know, when we see Americans, we see money because we're very like, okay, how much, let me get my checkbook. Whereas not to stereotype anybody, but a generalization would be that French people are much more reluctant to pull out their checkbooks than we are. Uh, <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. I, I guess I, I also see it on a different level, which is I think that France is a much more relational yes, exactly. society. And whether that's the relationship between you and your bakery or you and your contractor. Mm -hmm. Language is a big part of their pride and a big part of their culture. And, and I think if you just come here and you don't speak the language and all you can do is pull out your checkbook, mm -hmm. then at that point, they're like, all right, we'll pull it out, you know, write me a big check. And I think if you can come to them on their level at their language mm -hmm. with interest in what they're doing, right. you just end up you in a different place. Interest. You have to show interest. Yeah. And language Speaking their language is showing interest in them. Yeah. And so it doesn't mean you can't come here and buy an apartment if you don't speak French, but it's nice to have a conduit with yeah. somebody who does, who can kind of help you navigate through those initial steps and get you in the door. I mean, I have to say some of my happiest clients here don't speak French and they bought amazing apartments and they've come in in full American style and gone to all their neighbors and brought muffins and, and literally all their neighbors are in love with them. Like, yeah, it's funny because it-, it Really? Wait, yeah. Okay. It, Maybe I should try that with our neighbor. It's just interesting how, yeah, there's an interesting balance. Well, they think that's cute. Yeah. They're like, oh, c'est charmant. It's very, you know, when I, sometimes when I speak French, they're like, oh, you have a little accent. It's so cute. Like I have an American accent when I speak French sometimes, well, most of the time. And they're like, it's charming. And I'm like, it's kind of a compliment. A lot of people think, oh, the French are mean. They're not mean. Well, some are, you know, like America. I wanted to go back to when I was buying this apartment. I remember speaking French. You had hooked me up with a notaire. And a notaire is the person who sort of is the legal representation between sellers and buyers and so forth. And you hooked me up with a woman who was great. And she spoke English. And this is 12 years ago or so. And I remember she said to me, she goes, I'm going to read all of this to you in English. I'm going to translate it because you need to understand it. I want you to understand it. And she's like, I know you speak French, but, and that was so helpful. And the seller walked out. I remember he was like, this is taking too long. And she's like, I don't care. She's like, I represent David. Or she's, I think she represented both of us. 
So tell us a little bit about the Notaire, but I also want to get back into talking about what a house hunter property, because you were on HGTV's House Hunters. <laughs> Is that okay to mention? Well, yeah, it's Dealer. okay. <laughs> You're turning red. Uh, I well, never got to see it. You know, it's funny because it was 15 years ago, almost 16 years ago, because I was pregnant with my son, who's now okay. 15 and a half. And if I had known, I was already living in France several years, if I had known how many people would see it, I probably would have said no. They would show it up. Oh, well, usually that's pretty good. <laughs> no, but just showing friends. Up. I thought H, I didn't even, I'd never heard of HGTV. Man. And I thought, oh, fine. And, and next thing I knew, yeah. So I did do HGTV. Was it what, sir? Was it? Uh, our company did it a few times, but I, I only did it once. Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, to be frank, and you know this is better than I do, that's not actually the way it works in France. The buyer's agent doesn't really take a person that, you know. So tell us about this house hunter, because there's a show called The Parisian Agency on Netflix. Very rich family. They live in this chateau, whatever. And they show people these properties and you haven't seen it. But, you know, the people talk about how much they have to spend on a house. Right. Which would never happen in France. <laughs> Nobody would ever so. that. <laughs> Right. But these are like 11, 12, 18 million euro houses and one house i'll never forget it the back deck they showed it from like a drone it dropped down and the whole thing filled with water and became a swimming pool that actually does exist okay i was like <laughs> okay that's worth 12 million euros uh, that actually does exist i met the guy who designed that like okay. 15 years ago I almost installed that in our little village home in the south of France. It's pretty um, great. It was pretty amazing. Is it expensive? Uh, you know, he was trying to get a foothold and he was ready to do it for a pretty good price for me. But my husband was like, no, we're not doing that. So we didn't do it. But it does exist. I think the thing that you find rightfully unbelievable about that show is the idea that French people would just walk in and, and say, I have $20 million to spend. And, and yeah. they're just, they're so much more subtle about money. Like you can't find comps. Like you have no idea how much an apartment sold for. That information is not available. Like, like in America, you can go on a website and see what people bought their place for. And Roman told me, he goes, well, people wouldn't do it here because they might get kidnapped. It's like, I don't think anyone's <laughs> going to kidnap someone who owns like a one bed, you know, well, people are pretty frugal, you know, they're not, they don't live extravagantly, I would say. Yeah. And definitely, you know, people are much more private about their finances mm -hmm. and yeah, it's just a different approach to money. Well, and yeah. Well, they're also very discreet about their wealth. That's why a lot of these amazing houses have these little tiny doors and you don't see anything from the street. And then you open the doors and you go behind the gates and you see this amazing house. Yes. So what are some of the really, like, what are some of the things that can happen to a buyer here? Let's say I'm David, I'm living in San Francisco and I want to have a little pied-à-terre in Paris. I want to have a studio or one bedroom. I see a place and it's on the internet and it's, I don't read the fine print. It might say sixth floor studio. It looks really charming with a view of the Eiffel Tower. And it's not that expensive. It's 150,000 euros, which is about the same in America. And I want it. So what can happen? Well, first of all, it might actually not be for sale anymore. So that is often listings will just be left on there, even though they're already gone. Okay. At that price, it probably doesn't have an elevator. <laughs> so that might be something. Or a bathroom. Or might not have. 
Um, Seriously. You know, it may be you can now sell properties as long as there are nine square meters mm-hmm. or more. That's about 100 square feet. Okay. So it could be very, Which very is very small. tiny. That's like the size of a small studio. Small room. Yeah, yeah small. <laughs> um, people live like that. It's not. It's true. I recently learned that you can't uh, subdivide a, a building in, in the UK if the apartments aren't bigger than about 37 square meters, which I was telling my colleague. That's funny because in France, it's just nine square meters are good to go. So in recognition that people need places to live, and I think that's a good thing. So you see this apartment, you'd want to understand kind of what the situation is with the building, how many apartments there are. One important aspect of of looking into buying a property is what is the feeling of the co-ownership. So, you know, you, you're not buying a house, you're buying a relationship like with your condo association, the condo association call it yeah. in America pretty much. Exactly. So you have annual meetings, you will get, you know, the, the notes, the minutes, yeah. and you'll see it's yeah. very contentious or not. Maybe there's lawsuits, maybe there's not, yeah. you know, sometimes they're run by the co-owners. Oftentimes there's a professional organization that runs the meetings and runs the building. People go through a lot of professional organizations. They do. They change a lot. They change a lot. They change often. They yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of people a lot, let's say. <laughs> and you had mentioned earlier the role of the notaire. I mean, the notaire is a lawyer by trade who has a, a special mandate from the French government to oversee wills and trusts and real estate transactions. They're sort of specialized in those two areas. And all real estate transactions and actually all wills in France are all registered in a central registry. Uh-huh. So in some sense, well, it's a good thing in the sense that you don't all of a sudden have a title that never appeared or, you know, there, there, there is a central database for this information. There are substantially less lawsuits about real estate in France than there are in the United States. The last statistic that I knew about that was actually like 1%, like literally 1, 100 okay. that, that may be dated. But substantially less. Well, when I bought this place, for example, the agent was incorrectly listed, shall we say. And the notaire found that out. She was looking at the papers and she said, this is actually not residential space because it's a loft. And that happens a lot in Paris. You know, a lot of people live in lofts and so forth. And usually it's fine. But I remember you said to me, I don't want you buying that place unless you're sure you can live in it. And somebody was living here and it was fine and I had it converted to residential space. But that's a pitfall that, you know, we got all the way to that point and nobody had pointed that out to me. And the agent was like, oh, really? Like the seller's agent. He's like, oh, really? And now I know the laws. And I went with a friend to look at a similar apartment. The agent was telling her all these things that were correct, I should say. And I said, that's not true because I live in the same kind of place and I know the rules. And she's like, no. It's fine. I was like, it's actually not fine. And you need to research that and you need to get the right information for my friend. Can you do that? (laughs) (laughs) And then they slam the door in your face. (laughs) But I remember watching House Hunters and you weren't on it, but there was a couple and they didn't want to walk up one flight of stairs. Because also in France, like zero is ground floor, first floor is one. Whereas an American might say, oh, it's on the first floor. I'm not going to have to worry about stairs. Then they, you know, they buy their apartment, you know, sight unseen with somebody. So that's a pitfall. So somebody, let's say somebody says, I want to have a dream apartment in Paris. You know, I want to have a two bedroom. 
So I can come visit a couple times a year. I can have my kids or some friends come with us. And they contact you. They contact Miranda at parishpropertygroup.com and they send a message. And what happens? Well, we speak and we talk first about what they're looking to find and budget and, you know, just make sure they're in line with the reality of Paris. We have a pretty extensive buying property in France, four page FAQ that Uh kind of lays out a little bit about what we're talking about. What is the role of the notaire? How does it work? What kind of, you know, inspections are you going to expect? How the process goes forward? Most of our clients, it's funny. Well, COVID was an exception because we actually had a number of clients who bought sight unseen. Most clients like to come here and see properties. They'll schedule a few days and come and view a handful of properties, hopefully one that they- They go with one of your agents. They'll go with an agent. They'll get a sign. Bilingual. Who's bilingual. Perfectly bilingual. Yeah. I mean, we have French and English native speakers. And yeah, just look around to see if there's something, you know, hopefully they find something on their trip. Do most people come here to look or do all people like- Most people come here to look. Okay. I mean, the hope is to build a relationship of real trust. And and what we've often had is a client come not find something and go home and then the agent will find them something when they're not here. And that often will happen. What is interesting about this market is you make an offer and an offer is accepted, but you don't actually sign the initial purchase contract Mm. for about three to four weeks. It takes that long to get the paperwork together in the notaire's office to get to signature. Once that's signed, if you're not in Paris, you have an additional 10 days of like reflection, Mm -hmm. sort of a cooling off period that you could still pull out. So with with no repercussion. So you kind of get 45 days from the date your offer is accepted to get over here if that's what you want to do and see the apartment. Well, one thing that shocks Americans, especially people from like the Bay Area, if a place, let's say an apartment is listed at 500,000 euros, you can't offer 550,000 euros. If you offer the 500,000 euros, they are obliged to take it. And they take it and the place is off the market right away for a week, is it? It's just off the market. Like your offer's been accepted. Even if you say I'm getting a loan, even if you say I'm not paying cash. So if you pay the offer price, it's yours. Isn't it? Yes, that is a big surprise, a big surprise and a welcome surprise. I remember Roman being shocked. I said, oh, I'm from San Francisco. And, you know, if you don't bid like 50% over the asking (laughs) price, you're not going to get the house. It's crazy. You know, things. And he's like, why would, it's funny because it makes sense. He's like, why would someone pay more than the price of something? Well, (laughs) it's interesting. I love that. I love that. (laughs) The, the, right. the technical way to look at it, really, is that in the U.S., it's an offer to receive offers. Mm-hmm. And in France, it's an offer to sell. Mm-hmm. They're making an offer to sell. They're saying, I'll sell it to you for this price. Okay. In, in the U.S., it's an offer to receive offers. Okay. So technically, I'm just saying, I'm out there. Who wants to offer me money for my <laughs> house? So it's, there is this technical difference working in both markets. I would say the stress level for buyers is far less in France for that reason, because it's very stressful. Well, you told me at the beginning of the process here, you said the good thing about France is that the process really savors the buyer. You have a lot of the power. Once you put in the offer, 
the place is off the market and the seller can't really do anything. Everything is sort of controlled by certain dates, times, activities like a there's, you know, a promesse de vente, compromis de vente, bien there's a lot of different steps. So somebody comes, they find this apartment, or I knew someone who bought an apartment, but he didn't know how to deal with the whole process of buying it. He came to Paris, he found it, and he contacted you just out of the blue. And it's out of the blue that he knew you and I knew you as well. I said, oh, they're very good. <laughs> but so someone buys, you know, they find this apartment that you find for them. Let's say it needs work. Like I bought this apartment and it needed work. And I didn't use you to help me with the work. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm looking around, I'm sitting in this apartment going, wow, all this work we did and what happened here? You know, I wrote a book about it. Yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people didn't believe the book. I, I, I did get some blowback, you know, writing the book. And it's a book not anti-French at all. It's a story about me because what happens here happens to a lot of French people. It's very common. An architect told me, she said 90% of the projects that people do, remodels, go badly. And the other 10% of the people are lying. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to borrow that. But she was like, never do anything without an architect in Paris, which I'm not sure I agree with. <laughs> but you have a team of people, don't you, that does remodeling or not? So we, they're not people who work for me. I mean, really focused on the buying. Well, you know, it's it's just you can't do everything well. And yeah. so what we try to do is just have people whose work we trust mm -hmm. to give clients to and sort of take a step back and let them build their own relationship. But, you know, it's funny because a lot of the difficulty is from the service perspective. I think that not only do we work with a lot of English-speaking clients, but we work with a lot of French people who've left France and don't live here anymore mm -hmm. and then want to buy something in Paris as a pied-à-terre or for the future to come back. And they have gotten used to an American style of service mm -hmm. and, you know, the customer's right. Right. And deserves a, a phone call and an answer. And they want that. And, mm -hmm. and they turn to us because we provide that. And so we look for that in the partners we work with. You spoke about notaires. I mean, we work with English speaking, service providing notaires. We try to do the same for renovation and bank partners and kind of everybody wow. along the way. English speaking renovators. Oh yeah. my God. I know. <laughs> it's tough. <but> they exist. <laughs> Somebody, yeah. one of my readers, I love my readers. I love my listeners. Somebody sent me a link to this French English dictionary of all building terms. It's great. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's not just a screwdriver. It's like that, you know, that kind of screwdriver is a whole different name. And there's a pair of <laughs> versus uh, visus, one's a drill and the other's a drill, but it's more powerful. I'm like, <laughs> I don't. Rest. Well, it's funny because I uh, recently was talking to a, an Israeli architect here in Paris who is a partner in, in this same sense. And sometimes I can't speak French real estate in English because I've spoken French real estate right. in French for so long. Like I don't remember the words for like tomate or moulure or cheminée or, I, you know, I, I can't find the... Chiot. Roman says chiot, <laughs> which, is always, which is a terrible word in English, but the French use it. I mean, I can't, like, I, right. Anyway, it's funny to have these, yeah, these terms and these, but I think that's the key. I think part of the, yeah, it's challenging to do renovation. It's challenging here. It's challenging in America. It's really challenging anywhere. 
It's particularly challenging now because prices are out of control. And supply. Um, and supply and yeah. supply of work and supply of people and supply of materials and, and everything's very difficult right now. But I, I think that the biggest challenge is distance for clients and kind of the service expectations. I think that's the biggest disappointment. I think you, this is like such a me story, but I think you had a story you have on your website, parishpropertygroup.com. You have a blog and you've, you've had over, you know, you have tips about buying in Paris. You have prices, like how much things cost right now, how the market's doing. But I think for a while you, you had a couple who was remodeling and they remodeled an apartment somewhere. I'm trying to be purposely vague because I was doing a talk somewhere in the U.S. about when my book came out and I talked about this apartment. I said, well, these people did this renovation and everything looked perfect. And they had some items in the apartment. And I said, you know, I didn't say anything bad, but I was like, they're not really anything a French person would have and so forth. And I was a little like, not suspicious, but afterwards, this woman came up to me in the audience. She goes, oh, that's our apartment. <laughs> oh, how funny. It's <laughs> just very nice. And, you know, I was really happy. Were they her things? Yeah. Well, they picked things out and everyone has different tastes. You know, one of the reasons when I bought, when I re-Ronald my current apartment, well, the one we're sitting in right now, my old apartment, I guess, I didn't want to put pictures online because I knew people would be like, oh my God, we had that oven and we hated it. Or, oh, you're going to hate those floors in like six months, so, you know. And I just was like, I just spent a lot of, you know, I spent two and a half years and years, a lot of money fixing everything here and whatever. And I didn't want to hear that. So um, I applaud people. Yeah, I don't like to criticize people's taste, you know, because everyone has different taste. Well, I think one of the... But bravo for a renovation. <laughs> I was like, why didn't I hire Miranda? <laughs> uh, well, you know, here's one of the big differences is this is your home. This was your home. Mm-hmm. And a lot of our clients are buying a pied terre They're mm-hmm. buying a second home, an investment home. It's a different relationship. Yeah. You know, they're less, maybe less picky or what they want is a certain feeling and a certain style, whether it's this cabinet pole or this one or right. this tomette and this tile or that tile is not as important as when it's, it's your home. And so I think there's a piece of that too that allows them to be more generous in their satisfaction in the end. So, Well, one thing a friend of mine, Alec Lebrano, who's a food writer here in Paris, he mentioned this once to me. He said, you know, in America, if people don't like something, they say it's okay. Whereas in France, if they don't like something, they go, it's not good. <laughs> and they're, you know, which is fine. And I did, now I go to America and the waiter's like, how was that? And like, it was that good. I don't go, oh, it was okay. <laughs> But it's true. You know, romance had a lot of my problems that I had. I wasn't definitive enough. I wasn't like, I want that. And I'm like, well, you know, when you're renovating, you change things. You, you know, you put in a maybe wall, like over by the window, I had these two electrical outlets by the sink. And after they were put in, I said to the electrician, they need to be watertight because it's next to the sink. And he flew into this rage. He started hitting it with a sledgehammer. He like knocked out like a... Like a one foot radius around them, which is like 23 centimeters. And he just started hammering away. He's like, are you happy now? What? And <laughs> I did uh, not remember. And same with this island that we're <laughs> sitting at. There was no electrical outlets. This is a big kitchen island. It's like five feet by seven feet. And I don't know what that is by in meters, but well, I should. But one and a half by two meters. Okay. Yeah. There you go. You got it. 
<laughs> Why is a friend going to make mistakes? Like, no, that's one in six fifths of a meeting. I was like, I can't remember that. But he didn't put any plugs here and he wouldn't add them. He said, well, you didn't put them down originally. I said, I did. Where are the electrical plans? And he goes, I don't know. Right. And of course, I would, didn't make a copy because I just assumed that people were competent and on it. You know, I just didn't know. So I learned a lot. And my current renovation went fine. I, <laughs> I'm still around. I'm it's still, still around. happening. Yeah, yeah it's, still, it's not done, but it's fine. So should I sell this place? Ooh. Aha. This is my old apartment we're sitting in. I was thinking of turning into a museum <laughs> and having like Roman as a guide. Like you have to pay extra <laughs> to guide. And if people could wear headphones and it would translate for them. And they're like, this I is- think you should do that. Okay. Just put a turnstile in the door. People have to put like a token in. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm such a bad person to ask because I love real estate so much that if I could keep all the real estate I ever owned, I, I would. Oh, really? Yeah, kind of. Because to me, <laughs> to me, I'm like, now that I'm getting older, I'm like, you know what? I want less to think I about. Know. It's true. But yeah, but I, I haven't sold every piece of real estate I've ever sold. I've regretted it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Well, Which isn't a lot, but okay. it's a couple, a couple pieces. Um, a you couple can, pieces. Do you still have real estate in Paris or any? No. Okay. You lived here. I did live here. I, I sold that. You do have property in France. I do. When you come back, you're here part-time. I am here. Yeah. COVID put a wrench in that, but I'm back. Yes. I remember if you <laughs> couldn't come and I remember I wasn't able to see you for two years. Yeah. So welcome back. Thanks. I get yeah. to take hug afterwards. I know. I'm happy to be here. So thank you so much for coming on. So if anybody's out there listening and you are interested in Parish real estate, I do recommend going to parishpropertygroup.com. I'm going to put something in my newsletter, some links to your website and to some of the things that you do. And you really do help people. But I'm not just saying that because you're sitting here and because you're a friend of mine, but you really helped me. And I didn't know you as well then. And Roman, my partner, loves you more than anything. He's like, she's so <laughs> funny. I'm like, I know, but she's also like tough. I've seen her be tough. And that's what you want. You want an advocate for you, especially in a foreign country. It's so helpful. So um, thank you for what you do. Thank you. Thank you for the information. And I'm with Miranda Bot, B-O-T-H-E, from Paris Property Group. And you can visit her at their website. And you're also on Instagram. I am, but I'm horribly inactive on social media. <laughs> okay. Well, your your business is doing fine. Yeah, it. yeah, it is. You don't have you don't have a lot of questions coming from out of the blue. Like, can we buy that apartment? <laughs> yeah. People really want that apartment. They know how to get in touch with you. Yeah, I hope so. Thank you, David. Okay. Well, it's great to see you. I'm glad we're here in the apartment, and I hope to see you again soon, either here or in America. Because. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening in, everybody. Once again, this is David Leibovitz. If you want to visit me at my newsletter, it's at davidleibovitz with a V dot substack dot com. Thanks so much for listening once again. And if you did like this podcast, please feel free to leave a nice review on your favorite podcast platform. A friend of mine told me that's very important. So I'm telling you that now. I just learned that as well. <laughs> but I just like doing this. I like talking to my friends. And I hope you enjoy listening. Thanks again for tuning in. Bye-bye. <laughs>